Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. What we're going to do tonight is it's going to be a little bit of a half and half because I know, um, how many of y'all were back to school today? Okay. How many of y'all have been back to school sometime this week? Okay. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of back to school going on. Um, and you know what's, what's interesting about when you get back to school is the way that um, your body adjusts to the sleep schedule. You know, because you know, your body's been thinking, okay, I'm going to get up at, you know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock on a summer day. And then you transition all, you know, it's not even a transition. It's like, boom, I have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to ride the giant Twinkie to school every day or, or, or you know, those of you who ride the bus. Um, it's really foggy up here. Can we turn the fog off? <laughs> I, I, that way I can see you guys. But um, so what I, here's the plan for tonight, okay? Just before we get started, I want to let you know the plan for tonight. Plan for tonight is to leave a little bit early so you guys can either A, go sleep, B, do any first day homework that teachers who have no care for your soul assigned you. No. Any, no, I'm joking. Did anybody get homework first day of school? Oh, that's a final day. This is sad. Like this is... Sorry, I, I don't want to end on a bad note though, okay? So, you know, let, let's not talk about school. Let's pretend like it doesn't exist. But we're going to leave a little early because um, I know you guys, a lot of you guys are probably tired. I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about some changes we're making this school year just so you're kind of ready, aware, and, and you can kind of be, I think you'll be excited about. Um, we tried to do this a couple, a couple years ago. And we enjoyed it, but it was just really hard for us to pull off as a youth group. But now, um, yeah, if you kind of look back there, you can see all the beauty. We have so many, like, beautiful leaders back there. And then we have Mark and uh, Matt and Austin, too. But um, <laughs> yeah, God's blessed us with a lot of youth leaders. And what we're going to be able to do now, which we haven't been able to do for a couple years, is we're going to be able to run pretty much yeah, a, a high school, middle school split program. So we're going to have stuff just for you high schoolers and just for you middle schoolers on Wednesday night. So we're going to be kind of like flip-flop flopping tag time and, and, and teaching time and that kind of stuff so that high school, you know, you know there, the high school, there's some stuff we got to talk about um, and we're, and we're going to get to talk about that and, 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 and some really interesting stuff. Um, middle school, yeah, you're going to be able to like roam the, the park downstairs without having to worry about like a big ogre 12th grader bumping into you. Um, um, so, so we're going to be starting that um, here really soon. Tag starts next week. We're going to have our tag kickoffs. We're going to be getting back into tag. So this is kind of like a transition week, you know, we're going back to, back to school getting refuel started. So just wanted to kind of let you know some of those things that are coming. Um, I'm really excited about it because um, I'm excited to get to know some of you high schoolers. Like, you know, we'll have a small, you know, smaller group during lesson and then I'll get to know you middle schoolers, have a smaller group during the lesson. And we'll get to really have like a lot of fun. It'll be a lot more interactive. So I'm really excited about it. Um, so as you're going back to school, um, we're doing a series called Thanks A Lot. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the story. Uh, I hate using the word story because it's an account. This is historical, right, of Lot in the Bible. He's kind of like a sub, he, he's kind of like a, a supporting actor to the story of Abraham. You know, he, he's not like the main character, but he's such an interesting character. And there are so many parallels between like the decisions that you make at the beginning of the school year and the decisions that Lot had to make. So if, how many of y'all went to some kind of orientation this year before school started? You went to like an orientation and you found out where your locker was. You found out what your school schedule. How many people have changed their school schedule already? Anybody? Yes. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> you know, so the first day of school and sometimes like there's an orientation, it's, it's not really about the schoolwork, is it? Um, 
you're, you're getting to know like, you know, who's, who you have lunch with. You're getting to know who you have class with. You're figuring out how to get from this class to this class to this class. Um, you're figuring out how to wake, you know, wake back up. And how many of all your parents wake you up for school? How many of y'all wake yourself up? I was never able to wake myself up. My dad always had to wake me up. And he was too merciful, so it was my mom that had to wake me up. Um, you're, you, you have this orientation, and you're figuring out how you're going to do this and how you, where your class is and this and that. How many of y'all started a new school this year? Yeah. So, so the fir- and you remember, you know how this is, right? The first day of school, you're there and everything's new, but by the time you're done your first week of school, you feel like you've been there forever. You know what I mean? There is anybody else like, you feel like you've been there forever. You feel like you've been doing this for months. Um, but that first like two or three days of school, you set patterns that you follow for the rest of the school. You know what I mean? Like classes that don't have assigned seats, like within two or three days, you, you found your seat and you're going to be there for the rest of the year because this is your seat. And somebody gets in your seat, that's a big problem, right? So you, we, we kind of get into patterns, but a lot of times we don't think about our spiritual patterns. We don't think about how the patterns that we set at the beginning of school year affect us spiritually. So the question I kind of want to ask you tonight, I got to get my, my props out too. Um, the question I want to ask you tonight, um, question I want to ask you tonight is how are you doing spiritually? Because I, I want to challenge you in this tonight as we go through the story a lot. This is kind of like the big thought I want you to think about is the decisions that I make in August will determine my spiritual altitude in May. Think about that. And we're going to learn, we're going to kind of follow Lot and figure out and, and, and see exactly how that worked in his life and how it's going to work in your life. So the spiritual decisions, the decisions that you make, even things that seem insignificant today as school starts in August will determine your spiritual altitude in May. You know, some of you went to camp, you went on a mission trip, you, you served the Lord in some way in, in, in the summer, and you feel like you and God are closer than you've ever been. But a lot of you probably felt the same way last year going into the school year. There's something about the patterns that we set up that can really, that, that can really turn us around and get us sideways spiritually. So that's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna dive into the story of Lot. And it's interesting. Uh, if you have your Bible, open up to Genesis 13. Just to kind of set a background, um, if, if you're not real familiar with, um, with, with the story of the Bible, um, Genesis, yeah, you can tell, yeah, this is close to the beginning of the story, right? Genesis, Genesis 13. Genesis means beginnings. And the first verse in Genesis, the first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he talks about how God created the earth. He created us human beings to be in a perfect relationship with him. But then sin entered the world. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They made the same decision you would have made, by the way. Um, They rebelled against God Sin entered the picture, death entered the picture, and from Genesis 3.15 on, the rest of the Bible revolves around this promise that God made to us, to people, to humans. Everybody here a human, right? That he made to humans. And this was the promise that I will send someone who will crush the head of Satan and redeem humans. So ever since then, it's been this search for who's the person, who's God gonna send to fix this problem? Who's God gonna send to fix this problem? And in Genesis 12, you know, one chapter before, he introduces the grand, great, 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 great granddaddy of the person who's going to fix this problem. And the great, 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 granddaddy's name is Abram. And he makes Abram a promise in Genesis 12. He says, through you, all the nations of the earth are gonna be blessed. Abraham has a, or Abram is what he was called back then, had a nephew, and his nephew's name was Lot. 
Um, Abram was, I guess, what you'd call one of the cool uncles. How many of y'all have a cool uncle? I've got a cool uncle. My uncle Dan's a cool uncle. I, you know, every, everybody needs a cool uncle. Who's got a weird uncle? Everybody needs to, I, I feel like every, every human has a cool uncle and a weird uncle, right? You know, it's just part of it. Um, so, 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 but Abraham was the cool uncle. And what you find out is Lot and him become real tight and they become real close. And when God tells Abram, Abram, I want you to go, I want you to leave your, your, your hometown and go somewhere else so that I can bless you and make you into a great nation to fix this problem of sin, Lot goes with Abram. So they're tight. Abram makes a bad decision and he goes down to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go down to Egypt. Abram made a bad decision, Lot went with him. Abraham make, made a good decision, leave Egypt. Lot went with him. We find Abram and Lot in chapter 13 of Genesis and we're gonna do what we like to do sometimes, read and comment, read and comment, read and comment. Um, so you're gonna, I'm reading from the ESV, but at points we're gonna hear from the um, MMNIV, the Matt McLean non-inspired version. So um, Genesis 13, let's just, we'll just kind of start reading through and commenting. So Abram went up from Egypt, remember, he went back from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold, and he journeyed from Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning. So he's back where he should have been, right? Um, and to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So they'd both gotten pretty rich um, from Egypt. What we learn is that money came with a lot of strings attached and that you know, wealth came with a lot of strings attached. But Abram and Lot both have a lot of riches. And back then, riches weren't like dollar, dollar bills. You know, riches were your livestock. Um, you know, you couldn't eat money. And back then, it was all about what you could eat. So they had cows and goats. And I mean, that was what made a wealthy person. Gold and silver. So they, they both have possessions great. Verse, uh, six, yeah, in verse six, it says, the land could not support both of them dwelling together for their possessions were so great. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdmen of Lot's livestock. So yeah, Abram had guys that worked for him that tended his sheep and cows and stuff. Lot had guys that worked for him that tended his sheep and cows and stuff. And the problem was they were all kind of mixing together. So yeah, Lot's shepherds and herdsmen were like, hey, that's my sheep. And the other guy's like, well, no, that's Abram's sheep. And they're, yeah, the, the, the guys that were working for him were starting to get into fights. So, you know, that's not good, especially, you know, I don't know if you ever, you ever hear the, you know, the term, don't go into business with family members or, or friends. Well, they did. And here's how, here's how it worked. There was just not enough room for all their cattle and, and flocks to graze. And that was a big problem. I mean, that was a huge problem. And then it makes a little note here. It says, at the time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, not parasites, although they kind of were like parasites, but that's another story. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. These were other nations that were in, in people groups that were dwelling in the land. And what we learn later in the Bible is they were incredibly wicked. They were incredibly just disgusting. Um, they had, you know, religion that prescribed child sacrifice and just all these terrible things that were in the same land that Abram and Lot were dwelling. And so that, that's important later on. And in verse eight, it says, and Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herd, herdsmen, for we're kinsmen. In other versions, it says brothers, but it doesn't, yeah, Abram and Lot were nephew and uncle, and brother was just kind of a term back then, you know, same word for, for, for being, you know, relatives. So we're kinsmen, it says. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right, or if you take the right hand, 
all go to the left. So Abram says, hey, listen, you know, there's this huge land here. Why don't you go one direction? I'll go the other direction. We'll just kind of, we'll just kind of split so we have, we have room and I'll let you choose which land you want your, your herds to graze in. Very generous thing for Abram to do to his younger nephew who, you know, Abram, Abram should have got first pick, right? But Abram was just gracious like that. Then it says, and Lot lift up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself, for himself, all the Jordan Valley and journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. So Lot sees this one area and it looks better than all the other areas. And he's like, I'll take that. You know, one thing that's really hard about being a dad is you got to let the, I have to let my little girl choose like the best. So you, you know how it is when there's a bowl, of, you know, a plate of cupcakes sitting out there and there's always one cupcake that's like speaking your name. You know, it's got just a little more icing, a little more sprinkles, you know, and I want it, but you know, I know Addison's going to take it. So I take the one that's like, you know, like looks like the Pinterest fails, you know? Um, so th- that's what's going on here. Lot takes, you know, greedily, I'm going to take that area, you know? So he takes that area. And Abram, it says in verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, look northward, southward, is this eastward? <laughs> Forget my directions here, and westward. For all the land that you see, I'll give you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that you can, if you, one could count the dust of the earth, your offspring could also be counted. Arise and walk the length and breadth of the land that I will give you. So Abram moved his tent, came by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord. So you see, you see what happens here. You have Abram and Lot separate. You have Lot who's yeah, the example of everything not to do. <laughs> you have Abram who's kind of the godly example. And you, we look at Abram a lot. We talk about Abram, Abraham a lot in churches, but we... I even did a lot of Google searching. I couldn't find any church or any pastor or any, like, that had done like a full series on Lot. Lot's usually like a one and done lesson. We're gonna do four weeks of Lot. It's a lot of Lot. And we're gonna do four weeks of Lot. And I hate to say it, but we're gonna examine, it's almost like he wrote a how-to manual on what not to do. What decisions not to make. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the decisions that Lot <laughs> made and we're gonna learn why they were unwise decisions and how we can apply that to the beginning of the school year. Something else you're gonna see here is that God showed this incredible, incredible, incredible mercy to Lot who made all just the most ridiculous, stupid decisions, yet God determined in his will to save Lot from the pickle that he got himself into. So it's not just about don't make bad decisions, it's about trust God and his grace. So tonight, we're gonna talk about five mistakes that Lot made that we shouldn't make. So we're gonna kind of just like dive into the mistakes. And the first mistake that Lot made that we should not make is freezing out godly friends. The mistake Lot made was freezing out godly friends. Uh, you know what I mean by freezing out, right? You know, yeah, there, there's all sorts of terms that we can use for, you know, you, you leave their text on, on, on red, you know, all, all that stuff. But Lot froze out the one good influence he had in his life. It, it, some of you, I know, we always encourage people to bring their Bibles. And if you're like, you know, I know a lot of you like to circle and note and highlight. So I always like to kind of give you some cues if you want to. But in chapter 12, verse four, it talks about how when Abram went out, it says, a lot went with him. So I underlined, a lot went with him. Then in chapter 13 and verse one, Abram went back up from Egypt. And what happens? It says, a lot went with him. In verse five of chapter 13, uh, when Abram called on the name of the Lord, 
Lot went with him. But then something big happens. There's a big change in the scenario. In verse 9, Abram says, separate yourself from me. Then in verse 11, it says, thus they separated from each other. In verse 14, it says, Lot had separated from him. So what we learn here is that Lot was kind of the tag along. And he got tired of tagging along with his uncle. Uh, what we know is Abram and Lot, they went to Egypt and because of some things they did in Egypt that were wrong, uh, specifically Abram, he told lies, he disobeyed God, he didn't trust God. Um, Things happened in Egypt and kind of a result of that was they both became very rich in Egypt with their livestock and all this stuff. And that's great, you know, that's exciting. You know, all of us, you you see the goals accounts on Twitter, you know, everybody wants to be rich. But um, there was a philosopher back in the 90s that said this, mo money, mo problems. All the 90s kids know who the philosopher was. But you know, more money, more problems. And that was true in Abram and Lot's kind of relationship because they had all this stuff. And what's really you know, kind of interesting, all you note takers, if you circle the word, it says in verse two, Abram was very rich in livestock. That Hebrew word that's translated rich, it really means that he was heavy in livestock. It's the same word that they use to, to denote like a burden that like a, a, a service animal would carry. So this money that they had, this richness that they had, it was not, it it was kind of, I guess you could say it was a blessing, but in this case, it was a burden. Uh, You know, money isn't everything, but to, to Lot it was, and he would rather keep his money than keep the only godly relationship that he had. And at the beginning of the school year, you know how it is, you're in classes with different people, you have lunch with different people. Uh, you know, sports teams are different. And, and all of a sudden, you have like all these new relationships in your life. All of a sudden, you know, you, know, you, went, you went from, you know, I, I love how this works in middle school. You went from being, you know, five foot one to six foot one over the summer. You know, you know, and your parents are buying you all new clothes every day. And all of a sudden, people want to hang out with you. People want to be friends with you. And, 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 and you've got this, these, these people that have been close to you in your life and point you towards God. And all of a sudden now, you've got, quote, unquote, better options. Just like it seemed like Lot had better options. Lot froze out the one godly friend he had. You, you can look through this account in Genesis, and anytime anything was mentioned spiritually, it was always Abraham that was doing, doing it. It was never Lot. So Lot was kind of riding the faith of his nephew. Just like sometimes, you know, you're inclined to ride the faith of your parents or ride the faith of your friends. There may be a time where you have to stand by yourself. There will be a time where you have to stand by yourself. Don't freeze out your godly friends. The next mistake that he made was looking in all the wrong places. I should probably move this because th- this could get interesting. He, lo- he was looking in all the wrong places. If, if, you're, if you're doing, you know, you note people, you're gonna, you're gonna wanna look at this because there's this really cool thing. You know how in the Bible study labs we tell you to look for repeating words or phrases? There's this really interesting phrase that's repeated twice and it sets up the Abraham right decisions versus Lot wrong decisions. When this like paradox, who's gonna go where in the separation? Verse 10, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes. That's the phrase, lifted up his eyes. Because Abraham, you find out that he was told by God to lift up his eyes. But it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere. He trusted his eyes. He trusted what he saw. And yeah, I've... (laughs) I'll probably get in trouble for this one, but I went behind the church and I dug up two sods worth of the church's grass. Uh, (laughs) You know, 
because that's what youth pastors do. Um, so, so, so imagine, you know, you know, Lot was looking, obviously he wasn't looking at two sods on a stage, but he was looking at two different areas. And he said, you know what? This area is a lot more lush. It's a lot better watered. I think I'm going to go with that. And there were also some interesting things too. This area is close to a big city where there's a lot of cool things that I could take part of, so I'd like to do that. There's a lot of really cool people in the city. Um, I'm really upset that my herdsmen and Abram's herdsmen are, are, are fighting. So all these factors contributed to his decisions to go here. First John talks about that, about making poor decisions based on worldly wisdom. It talks about three things that make poor decisions, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you can see all, th- all three of these things on display in, in Lot's choice, the lust of the flesh. He was ticked off, man. He, he and Abram, were, were, the herdsmen were at it. They were at it. He, you, you, it's never good to make a decision when you're angry, by the way. And he made a decision angry. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. He looked. He was trusting only what he could see. Remember, spirituality... Christianity, faith, isn't just about what we can see. It says faith is the evidence of things not seen, right? In Hebrews. So he was only trusting his eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Hey, I want to live by the city of Sodom. That's like the booming town. I mean, that's like the hurricane. Yeah, like hurricane is to West Virginia. I mean, yeah, Sodom is to, the, to Mesopotamia. You know, so I, yeah, I want to <laughs> be in the upper crust of Mesopotamia. So he, he was following this worldly pattern of evaluating his decisions, Look at Abram. Verse 14, after Lot leaves, Abram doesn't lift his eyes. He waits on God. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. So God, he waited for God to direct his vision, God to direct where he was looking, God to direct his decisions. And God's vision and his plan for Abram was so much bigger than one little tract of land. He says, look what he says. He says, look, northward, southward, eastward, westward, all the land you see, I'll give it to you. That included the piece of land that Lot selfishly took, by the way. And here's what's so interesting. Yeah. You ever hear the, the, the expression, the grass is greener on the other side? You know, you're looking over the fence and, you know, everybody else's stuff looks better than yours or, you know, you, you wish you could have that. But what you learn is once you have what you wish you could have, it wasn't really that great. Lot looked at the land by Sodom and it looked lush and green. He looked at the land that he thought Abram would go to and it didn't quite look as good, but something interesting happened. Um, partly as a result of Lot's decision, partly as a result of the exceeding sinfulness of the land around where Paul moved in, that lush, green area that, Paul, that, 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 that Lot went to, what happened was God sent fire down to that land. And, you know, I've had people ask me, Matt, do you believe in climate change? Absolutely. God changed an entire climate. We're not going to get into it. That's, that's a, a, a lesson to come. Hopefully it won't set the fire alarm off. But what we learn is that this land that was so lush, it turned into a desert. And the land that Abram took, God blessed Abram, multiplied his herds and his riches And it kind of comes down to this principle. The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where God sends the rain. And we got to go where God is going, not where we think it looks attractive. 
How do we apply that to the decisions we make at school? Well, my goodness. Yeah, we evaluate what do we want our yeah, routine to be based on what's attractive to me when we should be praying, God, where would you have me sit at the lunch table? And then we look at our Bible. You, know, you say, Yo, what, how do I hear from God? Like, am I supposed to sit Indian style and meditate? No, we hear from God like right here. Yeah, God has, yeah, I don't know what, what, how many pages of your Bible, but I've got 1,104 pages worth of what God said to me right here. So the more we get into the Word and the more we study the Word, we start learning what pleases God. We start learning where Jesus would sit if he went to our school. We learn what classes he would take. We learn the language that he would use. Um, so, so sometimes you know, the mistake we make is looking in all the wrong places. Next mistake that Lot made and that we make sometimes is living in the past. One of my big regrets of this summer is I didn't get to see this movie. Who, anybody here got to see this movie? Who, who that saw the movie would recommend it? Who would not recommend it that saw it? Mark had like a half a hand up there. <laughs> okay, it's too, it's too similar. Okay, well one thing we know about Simba, one thing we know about Simba is he was living in the past. Remember when uh, Timon and Pumbaa fought, find him? He's all about the way that he thought he failed his father. He thought he got his father killed. And what does uh, Pumbaa say? He says, you got to put your behind in your past. You remember how he says that? And, 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 and Timon corrects him. Anyway, Lot was living in the past. Look at one of the reasons that he, look at how he evaluated the land that he looked at um, that he thought was so lush and green. It says, it was well watered in verse uh, 10. It was well watered like the land of Egypt. What do we know about Egypt? It was a place that Abraham, Abraham and Lot went that they should not have gone to. And rather than what Abram did was when he came back from Egypt, he built an altar, he worshiped the Lord, he made things right, he got back on track with God. We have no record of Lot doing that. Lot was still looking back to Egypt. You know, he was still looking back to you know, almost longingly for, you know, he probably knew he shouldn't have done it, but he kind of still wanted part of it. So when he saw this land, he said, oh, Egypt. That reminds me of Egypt. I want to go there. So he, he, he was looking back to, instead of, instead of giving his failures to God, instead of confessing his sin and moving on, yeah, he was kind of keeping his sin in his heart like a pet. The other thing that we learned is that Lot's father died at a very young age. It seems to be at a very young age. Uh, we learn about that in Genesis 12, or Genesis, the end of Genesis 11. Lot's, fa or Lot's father died in, in, it seemed to be early enough to where Abram kind of almost took him on as his son. So imagine you know, you, when you lose somebody you love, um, when something traumatic happens to you, you do what, happen, what we call going into survival mode where you base all your decisions on, can I survive this? How can I survive this? And Lot is kind of still, yeah, he doesn't have a father. Back then, if you didn't have a father, you didn't have a provider, right? You didn't have someone who could, who could take care of you because back then women were pretty much not allowed to work, so mom can't work. Abram kind of, yeah, not adopts him, but kind of looks after him. But you know, Lot's like, I gotta stand on my own at some point. All of a sudden, he gets all these herds, all these flocks, all these riches. He's like, his, his brain is wrapped around this thought. I've gotta protect what I have because I may lose it and I got nobody to fall back on. So he, he's living in the past. He's living, he, he's living in the, you know, the, the loss he experienced. He's living in the sin that he committed. And what we learn with Lot is he never quite gets past that. He never quite moves on from that. So, so maybe your summer wasn't one, you know, I talked about summer connect with God. Maybe your summer wasn't one of those connect with God times. Maybe your past school year, you, know, you lost some traction spiritually. You did things you're not proud of spiritually and you, you, you kind of wish you wouldn't have done it, but you kind of don't want to give it up yet and you're kind of in this in-between middle ground. That's going to affect the decisions that you make. 
You can't serve God when you're living in the past. Uh, the next thing that we learn, and this, this one, uh, <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't come across too aggressive, <laughs> um, but the, mistake, the fourth mistake was living in the suburbs of sin. Um, <laughs> I'm not talking about Pea Ridge, um, but li- li- living in the suburbs of sin, this really interesting thing started happening in the United States. You used to just have like cities and Redneckville, and there was no in-between. You know, you're either a city, a city person or you're a country person. But then this weird thing started happening in the United States, this thing called suburbs. And there's these housing developments that aren't exactly in the city, but they're close enough to the city. You know what I mean? It's like, I can live close enough to the city that I don't hear the sirens, or far enough away from the city I don't hear the sirens, but close enough to the city that I can get to Walmart in five minutes. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's like suburbs. You, you, West Pea Ridge is a suburb kind of of Huntington or Barbersville, right? So what Lot did, if you look in verse 12, Lot had kind of a lot of land, but he chose yeah, he, and the farmers were nomadic, so they would put up their tents. Yeah, they lived in tents. And they're not like little Coleman tents. I mean, they were big, elaborate tents, plenty of room, you know. But it says that Lot settled among the cities of the valley. So he was like on the outskirts of the city of the valley he chose and moved his tent as far as Sodom. The King James Version says it like this, that he pitched his tent toward or in the direction or close to the city of Sodom. And then we learn something about um, the people of the city of Sodom. Verse 13, it says, Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The things that went on in Sodom, I'd be embarrassed to even mention it in front of you. Terrible, disgusting, abusive things happening in that city. But it was also one of the largest cities in the area. I'm the bright lights, big city, big shows, you know, great dining, great entertainment, you know, yeah, 3D movies, you know. So Abram, he set up his camp right next to the city. So he said, it's kind of like this. I'm not living in the city with all those sinners. I'm just kind of living right outside. So if I need to run to Walmart, you know, get a gallon of milk, you know, I can do that. And I can kind of like enjoy watching other people sin and enjoy all the spectacle of it without actually sinning myself. But what we learn is it didn't take long for Lot to move from the outskirts of the city to the city. Because you don't stay in the suburbs of sin very long. Turn to, turn to Second Peter. We, we pick up Lot's story, actually, in, tonight anyway, in 2 Peter. Or excuse me, 1 Peter. Or some like to say 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter, chapter 2. I'm sorry, 2 Peter. I had it right the first time. <laughs> now that your fingers are properly, you know, stretched out and, and you're all looking at me with daggers. Second uh, Peter chapter two, it talks about, and just there's a little bit of a spoiler alert here. You know, things happen. Yeah, you know, we're gonna talk about this in the, in, in the fourth week. Uh, things happen. Um, God sends his judgment down on the city of Sodom. But look at verse seven. It says, if he, meaning God, rescued Lot, righteous Lot, Greatly, you guys okay over there? Everybody okay? Okay, let's let's read. Let's go back to the Bible here. If he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as a righteous man, I circled this. 
because he's not on the outskirts anymore. That righteous man lived among them day after day. So here's the, kind of the spoiler alert. When we find Lot in week four, he's not living on the outskirts. He's not living in the suburbs. He's living in the middle of the city. He becomes a mover and a shaker in the city and becomes involved in their sin. So how do we apply that to the school year? Well, some of us are okay with going to the party as long as we don't participate in the things going on at the party. Some of us will entertain the language that's being spoken so long as we don't speak it ourselves. Some of us will receive the pictures but not send the pictures. Can I tell you, you'll, you'll only stay on the suburbs and the suburbs of sin very long before you're right in the middle, just like Lot was. You say, Matt, you know, I, took, I take logic at school and um, they told me about logical fallacies and there's this fallacy called the slippery slope and I believe you're committing it right now. Well, here's the thing. The fallacy of the slippery slope is only a fallacy if the slope isn't slippery. And sin is the slipperiest slope you'll ever step on. How's that for a tongue twister? But it's true. <laughs> There's no forward progress in sin. And the decisions that you make, you think, well, I, yeah, I, I want to sit with these people. And I know they don't, yeah, I, I know they don't use the right language. I know they talk about things that I, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> you know, I should never talk about. Um, I, I know they don't value God's word, but they're really funny. Like they're hilarious. And I just, I just, I just want to, I just want to be able to laugh a little bit. Like, I know they're terrible people. I know these girls just gossip, 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 gossip all the time. They tear people down. But yeah, everybody kind of looks up to them. They get a lot of likes on social. And if I can get in their pictures and start getting followed, I can get the likes that they get and I can get kind of like the popularity that they get. So, 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 so maybe it'll be worth it. Just like Lot was living on the suburbs of sin in Genesis 13, by the time we get to Genesis 18, he's in the city. If you're in the suburbs of sin in August, I promise you, you'll be in the city of sin in May. That's a little depressing, isn't it? So let's get to the good part. There's always a good part. There's always dessert. We're still in 2 Peter. Here's the final you know, thing, you know, you know, mistake Lot made. It was trusting himself. And we're still kind of reading in 2 Peter. It talks, it's kind of looking back. This is written thousands of years after this happened with Lot. And it's looking back and it says this about Lot. It says, if he rescued righteous Lot, well, I underline that because I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, of all the people that I don't, yeah, that I would expect to see in heaven, Lot may be one of the last people I'd expect to see in heaven, right? Yeah, wait till you get to week four. You would, if you, if this was not in the Bible, you would be shocked that Lot is considered a righteous person because he made all the wrong moves. He made all the wrong mistakes. But what does it mean to be a righteous person? Being a righteous person doesn't mean you make all the right moves. Being a righteous person means that you were bought and paid for on the cross by Jesus. His blood covers your sin. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. Lot, even though he was in the Old Testament, was saved just like anybody's saved. It's by putting their faith in Jesus, by putting their faith in this one that God promised would come. So Lot was righteous. That's interesting. <laughs> but there's another thing I circled. If he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed, I circled that too, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. The sin used to be entertaining for him. He moved into the city of sin and it started 
distressing him. Keep reading. In verse 8, it says, As that, and there it is again, righteous man lived among them day after day. He was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds. So the final thing that we see, you know, kind of the spoiling this, I know I'm spoiling everything this week, but Lot's, when he moved into the city of sin, all the things that he thought were gonna just be so interesting and so wild and so awesome, it started eating away at his soul. It said it tormented his righteous soul. And some of you have been there. Um, Some of you are on your way there, but you're gonna get the things that you want and you're gonna find out the things that you want are the very things that eat away at your soul. And if you look at Lot, you won't find one big, bad, terrible decision that Lot made. Like you can't like point at one decision he made and said that was what his downfall was. It was a million little bitty decisions that he didn't consult God about, that he didn't trust God about, that he approached with a a natural way instead of hearing from God. It was a million little, little decisions that ended up making one big mess. As a result of all his little decisions, his wife died. All the riches he had were lost. All the prestige in the city he had went up and smoked. And his daughters became just as immoral as the people that lived in the city. And I told you, spoiler alert, where we find Lot at the end of the story is alone in a cave hiding from the world. And it's not one big bad decision, it's a million little wrong decisions. It's like a million little paper cuts that end up making one big gash in your heart. So what I wanna encourage you this evening as you go to school again tomorrow is don't sell any decision too short. Look to God. And I know this is a really heavy, <laughs> a really heavy way to start off the year. So I wanna give you a couple, and these are just, I'm not gonna go through them and explain them all, but just write them down. These are five ways that you can make the right decisions this year. And they're all H words. I tried to turn them into F words, but I just couldn't swing it. Like it wasn't working out, the thesaurus wasn't working. So I got H words tonight. And these are, these are, the, um, these are the five H words to make good decisions this school year. The first is hang on to godly friends with everything you have. If you've got a bro or a bra in Christ that is your, you know, your person, just, just hold on to them. If, if your brother or sister in Christ is sitting right next to you, give them a big hug right now. Like, you know, say, you're my person, okay? Hang on to them. Hang on to them. They're worth more than gold. The next thing is avoid making decisions without hearing from God. How do we hear from God? His word. So build time into your day, beginning of day, end of the day, to hear from God. Next one is find healing from your past failures and disappointments. If, if you went into this school year with a lot of stuff from your past, you, the grades are all 100, your trapper keeper and your binders are all still in mint pristine conditions, why not settle things with God tonight and enter the school tomorrow with not just your pencils and binders and pens in good condition, but your heart in good condition? Uh, the next one is hop off the fence. You know, if you've been riding the fence, you've been, you know, one foot in the world, one foot in the church, you know, you know, one foot in sin, you know, one foot in righteousness, remember, it's a slippery slope. And slippery slope is only a logical fallacy if the slope isn't slippery. But sin is the slipperiest slope you'll step on. So hop off the fence. And then finally, hold on to Jesus when your faith gets tested. I, I'm gonna end with this. This is, I love, 
Here is the silver lining. This is the glimmer of hope in this whole story. If you're still in 2 Peter, look at verse 9. And it's talking, it's reflecting right back to the story of Lot. It says, then the Lord knows how to rescue the ungodly from trials. You know, you may be at a point where, you know, you, you got no allies in your class. You know, it's just you and you got to stand by yourself. You work yourself into a corner. You make some wrong decisions. Guess what? God rescues the righteous. That's not people who do the right thing. That's people who believe in Jesus. God rescues the righteous from trials when they call out his name. So um, that's it. Um, that's it. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to put somebody in the middle. We're going to go home and we're out five minutes early. I'm true to my promise. So, uh, <laughs> so let's pray and we'll get out of here. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us together. Um, God, I pray that, uh, th- that you will grip our heart. And God, we love to have fun. We love to joke. We love to play around. We love to um, just enjoy being the people of God. There are, God, there are times where we need to seriously consider where you're going, what you would have us to do and follow you there. So God, I pray that you'll give um, these teens and even, even us as leaders uh, wisdom beyond our years, wisdom from your word, wisdom from on high, so that we we can make decisions that bring us closer to you when we get to the end of the school year in May. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.